Hey, it's Guy here. Hope you're well, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Uh, welcome to another episode of Creative Forces. Thanks for being there, as always. Um, and thanks to everyone who's listened to the last episode, uh, the poet Ian McMillan. Uh, one of the funniest interviews, definitely, um, that we've had on the podcast. Lots of people got in touch, uh, just a couple of them, many of them on Twitter. Susan Bin said it was a brilliant episode, just what was needed on a dull Sunday. Vera Lynch said uh, the Mr. Brown, uh, Ian's Mr. Brown story had a sputtering into a tea with chortles. And Gareth Davis said he nearly crashed the car listening to that very same Mr. Brown story. Well, I'm glad it was nearly. Uh, but it's great to hear that... Um, people enjoyed that interview so much as much as i did as well thanks to everyone who got in touch i didn't mention all the people that did uh but if I've, I've responded to most of them i think on twitter and and other platforms so thanks for listening thanks for getting in touch really appreciate it and do let me know on twitter creative forces p uh, or via email creative forces pod at gmail.com or via the facebook page it's always great to hear um what people think of the podcast the other big favour I've got to ask you is if you do like the podcast, if you have been listening, or if, you, if this is the first episode, or if you listen to many, please uh, give the podcast a rating on your podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds. Um, and please like it, subscribe, whatever you need to do, whatever you can do to highlight the fact that you like this podcast. I'd be very, very grateful. Okay, on to uh, this episode, episode 32 of the Creative Forces podcast, uh, and this time the uh, interviewee is Greg Johnson. Now, Greg is a comedy writer, performer, musician, and filmmaker. He was actually suggested to me by one of the uh, previous interviewees on Creative Forces, uh, Simon Allen, the drummer from the New Master Sounds. If you haven't listened to him, uh, do let, uh, do have a listen. He's a very funny interviewee too. Uh, and Greg is very funny too. His comic creations include the Belgian action star Lunge Dolphin, music production guru Woody Brown and the northern poet Brian McMorley. You can see all those on YouTube if you search for Greg Johnson uh, with a, Greg with an I-G-R-I-G. -R -I -G. Uh, he's also recently appeared in The Mash Report on BBC Two and Class Dismissed on CBBC. Now, after growing up in Harrogate, Greg studied and then went on to teach graphic art and design in Leeds, but at the same time he was making short films and comedy sketches and he was pumping those out on social media to people and one caught the eye of the comedian Matt Lucas and from there Greg's career path uh, started to shift. Now in this really funny interview which I really enjoyed, which we did in his flat, uh, hear how Greg's first comedy videos were made for just two of his friends, also hear about him describing the sheer terror he felt the first time he performed his characters on stage uh, in front of family members, um, and why his biggest comedy inspiration may well be his dad. <sighs> thanks for the tea, no, by the way. Now. Oh, pleasure. Yeah, and thanks for the, the Easter egg. Easter so is this yeah. leftover Easter egg from the... Uh, this is, yeah. Is this I, the last um, one? This is it, yeah. The chocolate's got to go... I've been on quite a low sugar kick lately, and um, it's been it's been quite a weekend. It's been quite a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Have you fallen off the wagon big time? I've fallen very hard off the wagon, yeah. So I've got to climb up back on if I can lift okay. my bulk. Well, let me know if you're giving a particularly long That's answer, some. and I will I'll put some okay. Easter egg in. Yeah, but I, I won't do it yet. I'll talk slowly so you can <laughs> eat the chocolate for me. That's the main reason you're here. <laughs> so tell, you were just telling me before we started recording that you're going to band practice tonight. I so am. Tell me about the band. Oh, the band. Uh, the band is, the funny thing is, it's the band I used to be in, in my sort of teen, teenage years to mid-twenties, 
who were rather good. We were called La Sangras. We played around like Harrogate and York and Leeds occasionally, but mostly just a local band. Sort of Tom Waitsy folky act with trumpet and double bass and accordion and occasional musical saw and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> right. And I'm basically resurrecting it, but as a kind of parody of itself. Right. <laughs> so it's a comedy character who is basically just a very nice middle class uh, sort of um, Harrogate lad. Yeah. Who kind of wants to be Tom Waits <laughs> or like Jack Kerouac or... And is it with the original members of the band? Yeah. Right. So that's, it's mostly just to see them again. Um, and, <laughs> and basically it's exactly the same. As well, or? I'm going to give, they've got characters, yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm going to, uh, I've told them what their names are and what their sort of backstories are. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do a, a Let's Meet the Band type spiel, you know. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's funny because it, the music's exactly the same and the, the lyrics are just a, maybe a tiny bit funnier. So we've got a sort of bawdy drinking song about pairing up the right, you know, wine with food. <laughs> and uh, so they're kind of trying to be sort of Jack Kerouac style, you know, Hunter S. Thompson kind of force of nature. But actually, mm. they're just sort of nice lads. About very sort of middle class. Concerns. Our age, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's getting closer and closer to you. I think he's probably a, um, you know, he used to be a, a graphic art and design lecturer at Leeds Beckett. <laughs> and it's pretty much me. I might... <laughs> I might just call him like Greg, but without an eye in it or something. <laughs> it's just, it's just me. And are the other but band uh, members are they happy with their biographies and backstories, or have they had? Input? They're just going to have to be. <laughs> I've given them kind of uniforms and sunglasses to remove as much of their personality as, as possible. So, because I've decided that my character is very egocentric and right. uh, makes it all about him. <laughs> Again, my character, of course. Yeah. Not yeah, there's no crossover. No. But, uh, but yeah, so I've, I've been offered this half hour slot um, by a friend of mine, uh, Rob, who plays a character called Brett Domino. Uh, yeah. Who's, yeah, there you go. So I went to a, a Brudenell gig of theirs a couple of years ago and just thought, we should be friends. Obviously, we should be friends. And then emailed him and ended up being in their next show. And Brilliant. So hopefully we're friends. We're writing something together, hopefully. So that's all very lovely. And um, so he said, can you do a half hour slot? And for some reason, I had the bright idea of inventing a completely new... <laughs> act <laughs> so it was going to be in april but suddenly that's now like the first one is next week right. so it's called um rob maiden's decent evening it's a monthly night in london decent. so <laughs> that's his type of northern he's from sheffield so he's quite he's right. quite dour <laughs> in a kind of happy way um so hopefully we're doing the june one so uh, yes we're off to practice tonight and sort some songs out nice yeah. And so how many, have you, is it an intense period of practice now before the gig or will you just do? It kind of is, yeah. Because one of us is going away for, for three weeks and um, we were going to do the May show, but it would be like tonight's practice and then the show. Right. Well, that's when he gets back. So I said, could you at least do it for three months and can, I, can we do the June one, please? Yeah. Because we're not quite ready. No. But we'll do it somewhere in, in Leeds, I think. So this is part of a bigger night, is it? You'd be one of uh, other... yeah. This is a sort of half hour, yeah. half hour slot. Yeah. So that was, that was funny though seeing Brett Domino and then just contacting. He is very funny, isn't he? Yeah, he's brilliant. Did you, you saw a brilliant. kindred spirit? Yeah. Yeah. I, I sort of hoped so. Yeah. I've done that a few times actually. Sort of people who you think that wish I should get on with that person. Yeah. And funny enough, it kind of works out. Like who else um, has that worked out with? Uh, well, another guy. There's a guy called Chris Lackey who hosts uh, the HP Podcast. No, the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Okay. Which is a sort of weird fiction, horror fiction podcast who've done 500 shows or something and they've got, you know, whatever, 
50,000 listeners or they've done, they've had, he's just gone to LA and they had Patton Oswalt on as a guest. Wow. And so they're doing, he's, he, he does the, like three podcasts. Um, and so that's his living, you know, he's a podcaster, but, um, they were recording in LA and they were my favorite podcast in the world. I listened to all the time. Mm. And then on one of the shows, he mentioned that actually he'd just moved to Keithley <laughs> to be with his English uh, now wife. Yeah. So I just thought, well, I'll email him an offer to read for his podcast, you know, and just see if you ever need me. And because yeah. he's a very enthusiastic uh, American dude, he was like, let's go for a drink tomorrow. <laughs> and three weeks later, he was a guest at my wedding. And now wow. he's like my best mate. So, uh, that's worked out well. So yeah, if, it turns out if you sort of reach out on Twitter, yeah, um, it all, yeah, you sort of meet people. Well, it's, it's amazing actually because I found that with the podcasts, you know, the, the amount of people that you just email them out of the blue and say, "Would you like to talk to me for an hour and a half?" and they yeah. say yes, yeah, just come I mean, into my flat, yeah, stranger. <laughs> I mean, lots of people say no. To be fair, yeah, but it's at a surprising number that say yes. So there's a moral in there, isn't there? That yeah, maybe we should just you see someone that you think, oh yeah. I'd get on with them. Just contact them. Yeah, and it sort of it works. Yeah, and I, and for every you know um, tweet I do every couple of months about how Twitter just makes me despair and how depressing it all is, it's also I don't know what where I'd be without it really yeah. because I was when I started Twitter I didn't really I was one of those people who didn't get what it was which yeah. I'm kind of ashamed of now because it's so <laughs> obvious what it is, um, but I started for the first year I was tweeting as a fictional character. Because I had this this one character who I, I, I did called Lunge Dolphin, who is basically Jean Claude Van Damme, yeah. who I invented with some friends years ago in a, in a sort of drunken Peyton, no, not Peyton, Dud, uh, Derek and Clive yeah. style. We used to drink a lot and you know drink a lot and then swear a lot, <laughs> but it bonded us as friends. And uh, one one week there was the challenge of you got to come up with a character, hmm. and I sort of did this Belgian type voice. And for some reason that stuck. So I started making these videos just to make those two friends laugh and then wanted to expand the, the dolphin verse and make it, <laughs> make it real. Yeah. So I, I, I started Twitter like completely fictionally. I was doing a daily report um, and he was like filming in Poland. He got kidnapped. <laughs> um, I think Judy Dench was lost in some explosion. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And occasionally my mum would sort of say, so you've been in London this weekend? It's like, no, that's not, it's not real. So are you going to Paris? Is this true? No. Um, so I was just purely tweeting as a fictional character yeah. and basically bothering people with my Lunge Dolphin Christmas films. Yeah. Um, and one of the people I bothered with it was um, Matt Lucas. And suddenly you get a sort of a, a direct message from Matt Lucas on Twitter and have you got an agent and the rest is sort of history is that how it happened then how yeah so because i've watched some of the lunch dolphin video first thing i want to say the costumes oh, are amazing wow. where do you get the cost how have you come up with those costumes that's probably my favorite bit i think is <laughs> the when you have the idea they're, they're great costumes so i'll give I'll definitely just lots tip of, of the hat lots of ebay it's <laughs> basically uh, you put in you know tasseled leather bomber jacket and just see what happens <laughs> So I've is got there a surprising stuff. number of results that come back from that? Um, no, they're quite rare. If you want a vintage one, you've got to be. Right. I tend to swoop. I swoop a bid, <laughs> so I, I put in a bid in the last eight seconds. That's my. Uh, <laughs> so I'm having that. I've got some amazing shoes. I've only ever worn them once. But actually, I'm going to wear them for this musical act as well. I thought, oh, right. I'll get out the old sort of shiny snakeskin shoes that are about a foot long. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, I mean yeah, costumes so you, and props. I could do that for a living. Just yeah. oh, that's that a must joy. be fun putting that together. Yeah, yeah, I do it all myself, which makes it take a long time. But um, that's what I love, you know. 
Yeah. I could I could I could make like make miniatures or you know ray guns. I've got loads of books of props and you know the art of yeah. I can the art of any film, no matter what the film. You know, <laughs> Men in Black Three. <laughs> love it. You've got just an encyclopedic love it. knowledge of the yeah <laughs> of the various rubber heads and uh, all that. But, yeah. So that was so yeah. So you you came up with Lunge Dolphin and then you. Mm. You just were tweeting about that. You, you'd made the videos, yes, and you were just like mentioning people in tweets saying, "Look at this." Yeah, and at this time, I'm I'm a senior lecturer in graphic art and design, <laughs> right. so I'm well, uh, I'm also Leeds, doing a PhD, so I'm a doctor at Leeds Beckett. Yeah. yeah, so it's the course I did as a as a BA, then an MA. I started making shorts in my second year. Yeah, doing sort of um, uh, sort of arty, slightly parodic, sort of like Russian animation. I did a very like strange poems and then music videos and cartoons and stuff. But really got kind of bitten by the bug of, of video mm. because I already did music and you get. To, I had like an eight track, so I could do all the sound and make that quite good, you know. Mm. So this is in the days when it was sort of. I would turn up at at uni with um, a mini DV camcorder I'd borrowed from a friend and a mini disc with my music on yeah. and just like hold them out and say, please help me get these onto a computer, <laughs> yeah. which, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with myself now that I, I thought I'll just film all this and then I'll just learn how to edit. It won't, no, you know, no biggie. So I'll just learn Avid. And then when they've got the library, I'll go and learn Premiere in a different building and then yeah. I'll get iMovie. And finally I learned Final Cut. And so I just, I should learn software. Like it was just nothing, but I've got an old brain now. So, so I was doing that and then, so these lunge videos were slightly my secret shame <laughs> at Christmas. And then, God bless him, a colleague of mine um, just shared it to the to all the students right. on the course website. He just said, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> so outed me. Um, I was forced out of the comedy closet. Really about this. Not really, no. It was I never really thought that the idea of everyone in my life knowing about these things I do. <laughs> um, you think, well, this is just... Because, as I say, the first one was for my two friends. I thought, well, I'll do, I'll do a Christmas video. It snowed, so we went out on, on Meanwood Ridge in, in the woods. Yeah. My wife, very patiently, like a Sunday morning in the snow, half dead, miming to these um, Christmas carols with, you know, weirdly translated lyrics. And uh, <laughs> But then I think it was the, maybe the third one... Uh, Matt Lucas really liked because they got more and more ambitious and I was right. filming everything on green screen and basically making a sort of, I made one that was, um, I think it's just called the Lunch Dolphin Holiday Special, but it's sort of based on one of those kind of Bing Crosby yeah. three hour, you know, welcome to my house and the kind of the door, there's the log, log fire and like David Bowie singing around the piano yeah. and it was just, just sort of making one of those variety shows, but with old like just old snippets that are meant to be on like a VHS tape and. So how so long ago was that now, that that, that one, the one where you got five the Matt Lucas? Years, I think. Yeah, five or six years, maybe. And then within a year, I had to finish my PhD, which took seven years. So I'm what just, was the PhD, bleh. by the way? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Does it matter? <laughs> I don't throw the doctor around because, you know, if ever on a plane or something. Is there a doctor? <laughs> Not really. Not really. Don't ask me, no. You could be Dr. Lunge Dolphin, though. Yeah. I could film your heart attack beautifully, but I can't actually provide any kind of service. Yeah. It, it was basically in making short films. And, um, you know, because I love, like, David Lynch and Michelle Godry, and it was about... And I tried to make the, my PhD films as silly as I possibly could. Like, they had sort of um, brightly coloured, you know, little monsters in, but they had to be metaphors and represent things and mm. stuff. Um, so I made these six short films. and But then once that was finished... I taught for another year, 
but I inherited a bit of money and money is what makes the world go around. Mm. So um, I took a year's sabbatical thinking, let's give it a go. Everyone who worked with me telling me there's no way you're coming back. <laughs> and funnily enough, they were right. So, uh, yeah. So who was that inheritance from? Um, just uh, my my great aunt. Right. Which sounds like something from Scooby-Doo, but <laughs> yeah. we didn't have to spend the night in a haunted house, which is good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just um, one of those now or never mm. Well, you've got an agent and you've got a bit of money, so you could at least take a year off. So let's see what happens, and it's all left yeah, from so there. So it gave you the opportunity to, yeah. to think about these things a bit more, with a, to be able to step back from the day job. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> I mean, the other ways of, of sort of trying to make a living at it would be, you know, move to London, hmm. obviously, if you, unless you're an idiot, <laughs> and live in Leeds, um, and just sort of become a stand-up and then get on the circuit, the legendary hmm. circuit, and just... Do as men do whatever gigs come your way and, and stuff. But I sort of dug my heels in and um, stayed in Leeds and made YouTube videos. And um, so I, I broke. I was doing Lunch Dolphin, and then my agent just one fateful day said, "Like, who else have you got in your in there?" Mm. Sort of pointing at my brain, <laughs> and all these other people <laughs> happened. Yeah. And then I had about 15 of those, sort of those like shorts. So I thought, well, if I just make another five, I can release one every weekday for a month. Yeah. And then that became a sort of possible sketch show thing called Browser that I developed. Mm. And um, yeah, so it's all it's all been sort of suggested like, okay, we've got Lunch Dolphin. Who else have you got? And then, or well, maybe make a sort of proof of concept for this thing. And this one seems popular, so do more of that. And so it's there's there's some sort of chronology there. Hmm. Sometimes I feel like I just quit my job and just made a load of YouTube videos yeah. for five years. <laughs> but there's there's some strategy in there, I think. But, yeah. Just to rewind for a minute, what was that like then when you saw that that direct message from Matt Lucas? Was that was that just a mind blowing moment? Yes, yes, it was. I remember very vividly that my wife was in the bath, so I had to keep running in with the latest line. <laughs> Someone has since said to me, did you really believe it was him? And it never yeah. occurred to me it wasn't him, actually. <laughs> but uh, I assume he doesn't mind me, you know, um, sort of outing him as being a fan of me. But uh, I'm sure he will. But, and, and, you know, and again, being a complete uh, idiot when it comes to networking or whatever, he was just like, oh, I loved your, you, I've loved your video. And I was just, thanks very much. <laughs> Have a great Christmas. No questions. No, can we meet? No, have you got any advice? Just nothing. Just I kept basically ending the conversation. But he was kind enough to say, um, may I ask, have you got an agent? And I sort of like, like a, no. <laughs> what am I? I always think I am a grown up. And like, um, but yeah, basically every time he sent a response, I would run through into the bathroom and tell my wife what, what he was saying now. So but, th but then I said, I think my reply was like, I wouldn't even know how to go about getting one. Like yeah. how, how, I thought, well, how does one do that or something? I was trying to be reasonably sort of charming and cool about thing, yeah. this thing. Um, and he said, well, come to London. I'll introduce you to mine. And if they're, if they're into you, then it's up to them. If they want to, you know, if you want, I think you're good. So you sort of take a day off from teaching to go and have lunch with Matt Lucas in London and then be put in a car and sent over to <laughs> Troika, which is my agency, who have been very lovely to me ever since. And... Yeah, it's mad. Fantastic. I mean, that's amazing. It shows the power of of YouTube and and all those other platforms, doesn't it? That if you yeah, if you put stuff out there, and that's the beauty as well of of social media that it can be shared and people can yeah just see your stuff, can't they? Yeah, I'd ha I'd have really I'd have no other way of of doing stuff. I mean, I remember once I had a a short film in a, a 
I'd had some stuff in short film festivals, so not sort of comedy, but I made one that was kind of funny called <laughs> Hilarity. It was about writer's block and yes, kind of I dip, watched depression. It, did you watch Hilarity? I did watch Hilarity, Oh, my yes. God. Wow. That's, yes. a, that's the deepest dive yes. you can possibly do. It's quite dark. It's a little bit dark. Yeah. Just a tiny bit, a tiny bit. I'm jollier now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is basically um, a video where I saw my hand off cook and attempt to eat it. Hmm. Um but yeah, watching that in a room with a live audience, that's one of those sort of moments. If you had to pick three or four moments, you know, mm. that's the one. One of them would be the sixth form review where I played a song and got a massive sort of round of applause and thought, oh, this is this is all right. This is yeah, a, this is a buzz, this. just a little bit. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, sort of being at the back of a room and because I do kind of quite graphically saw my hand off in this film, there were people like covering their heads with their arms and then other people laughing and other people looking away mm. it once made a student of mine faint which i was terribly proud of um, <laughs> she was fine as, as far as i know um but yeah that sort of uh manipulating people mm. i was thinking this the other day about like um jordan peele and and oh, and like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, and that thing of comedians who then do horror, and how it's a very similar. Yeah, you want to kind of find that um, structure, that the trick to making a response happen. Yeah, laughter being the hardest one, but like scaring people or just making them feel gross, <laughs> being slightly <laughs> easier. But yeah, so so screening that in a short film festival was a big part of actually I sort of want to do comedy because mm. that was part of a BBC Three new talent thing that I got nominated for and got to meet like Joe Cornish mm. and yeah. film a thing in a in a weird little caravan and it's like a BBC Three late night rewards show. Uh, so that was a little taste of it and thinking, oh, yeah, I want more of that, please. Yeah. So did it feel scary though, you know, giving up the day job or does it? Did that? Was there any sort of feeling of you wanted to carry on with that or were you just ready to to go on with the next i don't really think i'm ever not scared <laughs> was it scary well i was alive at the time so yes it was quite scary <laughs> you know i'm quite a sort of neurotic and i'm not an optimistic person either so like my wife will sometimes ask me if i'm excited about something i'm like well i'm, I'm nervous is that the same i'm scared it'll go badly is that excitement <laughs> So that's the sort of mindset we're dealing with. So I'd, I'd imagine I was probably nervous. Yeah. But actually, you know, looking back, I must have some big reserve of just self-belief to just sort of make this leap. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I didn't like my job anymore, so I was pleased to go. Okay. And again, I'd, I'd sort of faked it to myself that it was only a year off. Yeah. Um, which is how you tentatively leave. Yes. <laughs> and then nine months later, you send an email saying, Surprise, surprise. As you told me, I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah, because, as you informed me nine months ago, I'm leaving. Yeah, because going back was, um, by this stage, completely, like, unthinkable. And um, yeah, you've got to have something. I once worked in a call centre for six months, so it's... Oh, yeah. Uh, Where was that? Whenever I'm not doing that, I'm basically happy. Yeah. Where was that? Uh, in Harrogate. Right. What, how old were you then? That was the year I filmed the short where I saw my hand off. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. So those two things linked. Yeah, although that was, that was the end of my MA... But it was uh, trying to write some academia, so it's a film about writer's block, but it's also a film about just feeling stuck and yeah. numb. And you think, well, what now? You know, because I'd, I'd, I'd finished this course 
And again, what you really should do is, is go somewhere where it's happening, like go to London or because mm. you need to meet a community of people. You need to meet people who, who do it too and who might be able to use your skills for something or whatever. Yeah. So um, having finished that course and then just sort of stayed in like the Leeds Harrogate area, yeah, you feel a bit sort of stuck. But um, but yeah, I guess getting an agent in London and doing a... Matt Lucas put me in a... In a a non-broadcast but he put me in a pilot thing of his so you feel like you've just got to believe more stuff will come along yeah yeah and, and, I it, suppose and it has done sort of you're moving in the right direction i guess or yeah you know and you're making however sl- have quickly or slowly you are making the uh, the connections that are needed i guess yeah and but and you can always easily feel like you're going absolutely nowhere yeah but um Again, my wife, who I talk about a lot because I have to because she's an essential part of my whole process, um, is um, she will always say, well, no, look, think back like three years and you've done this, this and this. Three years ago you were there. Now you're here. Yeah. And you think, oh, no, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I remember reading that Harry Hill gave himself five years. He was a doctor, fellow yeah, doctor. That's, that's right. But a doctor of, you know, actually helping people. <laughs> and um, apparently his plan was right. You've got five years. And you've got to be a professional stand-up by the end of then. Right. And he's, he's done all right for himself. He's done pretty well, yeah. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. He's great. He's a real... Yeah, he, he was a big inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Who, are your, who are your inspirations then? Um, it's, all, it's all about the sort of the 90s for yeah. me. So it's... Um, I mean, I, I, in my memory, like Vic Reeves' Big Night Out and The yeah. Day Today came out in like the same week, <laughs> yeah. which probably isn't true. Yeah. But my sort of um, this renaissance of, because I remember, I think I was twelve at the time. I was an absolute red dwarf obsessive. Yeah. And we always, well, I was always allowed to watch stuff I shouldn't have been, I, like Life of Brian and Blackadder and yeah, lots of really like, quite rude. And we always had like Victoria Wood tapes on in the car, and there's quite a lot of Victoria Wood in in my stuff. I think yeah. when I think about like that northern thing of finding certain words funny. Yeah. And the and, which again, Vickham, Vickham, Vickham Bob, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I quite vividly remember, like, my, my dad and my brothers, we'd seen the adverts for Vic Reeves' Big Night Out, and I thought, oh, I don't like the look at that, as a 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that doesn't look, like, quite right for me. Same thing with the day-to-day. I sort of I sort of think, no, that looks like a sort of satire show about, yeah. you know, politics or whatever, like a spitting image. That's not for me. I was quite a grown-up child. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, particularly Big Night Out, like my dad and brothers saying, next Friday, you have to watch this. Because it's just so bonkers, you yeah. know, and just and that sort of just certain words are funny, and so that's it. yeah. Mm. How Vic old are you? and Bob usually. I'm thirty nine. Okay, yeah. So I'm a couple of years older than you, but I've had had exactly the same experience. Yeah. Victory's big night out on the day today. Yeah. Me and my friends were basically obsessed with both. Yeah, absolutely. And it did feel like they me? were out at the same time, actually. But I think. Vic Reeves was out first, I think, wasn't it? I and think then, so, yeah. Maybe then, by like a year, yeah. but, but, but really close together. But yeah, I and find myself quoting both still yeah, now. They're just is, in your, they're in your blood yeah, forever, yeah, I think. That's it. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I often quote one or the other and in a room full of people have no idea what I'm talking about. Which <laughs> well, this is the problem. If you, you know, if you go to like a pitch meeting... <laughs> You you realize, particularly with comedy, I, I might be wrong, but you realize you, I think you can only do comedy for people your age. Yeah. So that's my only worry is that I'm too old, <laughs> because it's like you know, is this going to be the latest cool thing? 
No, <laughs> it's not. It's going to be humour for people in their late 30s. Yes. Um, although I do, I really love Tim and Eric now. Tim and Eric's awesome show, great job, uh, which is an adult swim thing. But that's, I've not seen that. Is it's that... quite Vic and Bob. Is it? But yeah, but a lot of and, and pushed to a really, it's almost like video art mm. degree. It's very silly, and a, a, it kind of looks like a, um, American like public access TV. So right. it's shot very cheaply, and um, but again, is really like, I guess it's kind of exhilarating, which I think that big night out and day to day work because you. It's sort of cheesy to say you don't know what's going to happen next, but they're mm. they're so free and just about making you laugh. Yeah. And they're so, they're sort of, they're clever and stupid. Yeah. Which yeah. I absolutely, you know, yeah. love. It's very, very hard to pull that off, isn't it? Yeah. And and the idea, I think, and the genius of, I guess one is a light entertainment format and the other one is a news format. Mm. So you fit things into that, like, um, you know, sacked chimney sweep pumps boss full of mayonnaise. <laughs> It's, it's not funny for any reason other than itself. Yeah, and I and, and love the way that. it's delivered. Yeah, the the the, the straight face delivery of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Hello, you. <laughs> Just that, making a brush. Yeah. That sort of Chris Morris. Yeah. Genius of. Jokes that you don't work out. Like, oh, that's funny because this is just. Yeah. Rifle and marzipan. Just those two words put together. It's sort of. Yeah. And that's the the joy of Vic and Bob, and still like Bob Atletico Mints is my current is it is yeah. my happy place. You know, it's just the most yeah. joyously childish, yeah. but brilliantly written, unusually well written work of genius. It you know, is a it's work totally of genius, puerile it? as well. Yeah, but yeah, I think Bob particularly is just uh, wow. Just a proper... I listened to his um, Desert Island Discs yeah. recently. Did you listen to that? I did. Very yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I love Bob. Moving, yeah. So, so it do was I. very he's, moving. Actually, wasn't he's it? more sincere than uh, since the near-death experience. Yeah. He's really come out of his shell. Yeah. It was quite nice. He thanked Leeds actually for that. Was the show where his um, his you know his Fitbit told him that his oh, heart yeah. rate had gone over the death number, yeah. but he's like, well, what can you do? I'll just I'll just keep going. And I was there, oh, so really? he was like, so thank you to the people of Leeds for uh, getting me over that that wall of of fear, you know. Did you punch so I, the I, I said, you're welcome, <laughs> out loud, <laughs> to the room. So I feel in some way, you know, personally responsible for his, yeah. uh, his current output. So you mm. mentioned Harrogate. Was it Harrogate yeah. you grew up in? So Yes. Yeah. What, what did your mum, mum and dad do? And were you, well, yeah, what did your mum and dad do? Ooh. Well, my dad was a like a factory manager. Yeah. He ran like production stuff. And my mum was a sort of PA copy taker amazingly fast shorthand but you know no not performers not painters no didn't grow up in the circus <laughs> but you um, mentioned there was victoria wood in the car was that yeah. was there quite a bit of sort of that audio comedy about there actually was yeah i'm realizing it now sort of how much comedy there was hmm. in our life really and and all the stuff we'd we'd watch I mean, the thing that if you have seen any of my Lunge Dolphin Christmas films, when I sing Christmas carols with words that sound a bit like the real words, but are just gibberish, my mom points out, you know, your dad's been doing that for his whole life. <laughs> and you realise, oh, yeah, it's exactly that. Because so my dad doesn't care. Twigged? What, had you not twigged? Not really. No, but then until became... you think, oh, that's just my dad's <laughs> thing. One of his is, what's the song where it's, I'm not talking about moving in. But because he can't hear the words of things, he used to think, I'm not talking about Namibia. 
all the time. Like my dad sang that all my snowflakes and flakes and whiskers on kittens. That was one. Apparently when I was about five and I said, Daddy, what are flakes?" And he said, it's something that rhymes with snowflakes. So he was he would sing around the house all the time. He's a noisy bugger. Um, and just sing these nonsense lyrics because lyrics don't mean anything to him. And uh, and I do that now. So, yeah, that love of sort of gibberish. And That's funny, isn't sometimes it? Sometimes people say, oh, your stuff is a bit like, um, have you heard of Stanley Unwin? And I always go, oh, yeah, Stanley Unwin. Yeah, brilliant. Because <laughs> I remember liking him because when he was on like Wogan and yeah. when he used to have these chat shows that would have quite weird guests on because they were on like three nights a week. Yeah, Stanley Unwin. And he used to talk in that sort of gibberish, but you'd know what he was saying. Yeah. And I love it. Like, it sounds like speech. Yeah. So I, I try and do that quite a lot. I've done a lot of things that are kind of subtitled. And, yeah. Yeah. It's funny, that, isn't it? That you've that something that would be so obvious, yeah, to your mum. Yeah. And you hadn't really twigged. It's amazing, no, isn't it? you think you're terribly original. <laughs> Or you think, I mean, I'm quite comfortable thinking I'm maybe quite heavily influenced by, you know, Vic and Bob or Tim and Eric or Chris Morris or Amanda Inucci or something, but I don't want to be influenced by my dad, <laughs> really. <laughs> and yet I am. And again, the main sort of thing I feel like I owe them is, firstly, they never made me do anything I didn't want to do. Hmm. So it was, I want, I'm going to do a foundation and then go to art college. And they were always fine. And I always just got to do what I liked, which is which is I really appreciate now having heard other people's like, mm. well, my parents obviously expected me to become a, yeah, and I never had any of that. And um, yeah, and just being allowed to watch Life of Brian when I was about <laughs> seven. Because <laughs> that, that is a rude film. Yes, but, it is um, a rude film. But yeah, really good comedy education, yeah. And so what was... Um what were you into at school then? Was it, were you showing? Were you already interested in comedy? Or were you trying out comedy at school, or was that not really on the radar at that point? Um, no, I guess not in terms of performing it for anybody. But Just there was lots it. of humour. I was lucky enough to have a good gang of friends, and we were all into the same, yeah, weird stuff. Hmm. So lots of quoting of, of, of Vic and Bob <laughs> and um, Fist of Fun as well. Really into like Liam oh, yeah. Herring and yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, you know, I went through the, I wanted to be a rock star, really. I wasn't, um, you have to learn to appreciate having fun as you get older, I feel. I was more uh, tortured and uh, writing yeah. whole albums of love songs so this girl would go out with me and stuff. So, so was that I'll get bit... a four track and I'll become, you know, so I was into very kind of serious music. And, what were you into? Um, R.E.M. always. Sparkle Horse. Yeah. Them. And Vic Chestnut and Lamb Chop and... Sort of America, what used to call it in the late nineties? Was it alt Americana? Yeah, that sounds about right. Lots of that. So things, like, particularly like Sparkle Horse, like acoustic guitar, but with old drum machines and a bit of looping, like Beck and yeah. um, Grantly Buffalo, and the sort of late nineties American folks. So and, and more and of... more got liked, increasingly sort of dour music. Right. Oh, and like and Radiohead, like OK yeah. Computer was like a huge thing i remember that being a real thing yeah you know and, yeah. and listening to um it was uh mark and lard like mark radcliffe late yeah. at night i remember lying in the dark and hearing common people for the first time by pulp <laughs> which is odd but i remember lying because i'd have to turn the light i'd like cause the show would end at midnight and it's like a school night but i remember lying there and he's like right i'm going to put on this very long song but it's brilliant it's this new song from pulp 
And even then, just thinking, oh, this is pretty good. So that was their old Radio 1 show, yeah. was it? Yeah, they, they, did, they did Late Night on Radio 1, wasn't it, I think? Or was yeah. That, yeah, yeah, it, it was, seemed weird it? it was on Radio 1. Yeah. You know, Chris Morris's Blue Jam was on Radio oh, 1. That's right, yeah. So isn't that strange? That is amazing. But, uh, but yeah, I think they were a lot of my education of getting into throwing muses and um, Frank Black and yeah. faxing in to get Frank Black to say hello to me on the radio, <laughs> which he did. Did he? Get my mum to fax him from work. What did he say? Just um, hello, Greg, or was there a bit more to it? Well, um, it was basically a list of, of mentions, and uh, they were doing a show at Leeds Uni um, Union on my birthday. Right. So um, Mark Radcliffe said... Um, <laughs> I think he, he, I think he pretended I'd asked him to say happy birthday to me, which I actually hadn't. But Frank Black just said, I will be high-fiving him personally. <laughs> that's a so great there's line. So there's a claim to fame. And did he, he high-five you He first? never high-fived oh. me personally, no. But I'd be quite intimidated Frank. by him. But, yes. Uh, but yeah, the Pixies, all that alt oddness and... Uh, so were you hmm. guitarist or were you Yeah, mostly guitar. Yeah, my, my brother... I've always been sort of pushed into things by other people. Mm. I mean, the, entering hilarity into that BBC Three New Talent contest—that was my mum really? saying, "Here's the thing: the closing, the, you know, the the deadline's tomorrow." Because <laughs> I'm sort of a pessimist. It's like, well, I'm not going to mild thing. What's going to happen? Having having now judged a few film festivals, the stuff people enter, like you wouldn't believe, <laughs> it's like unedited footage. Right. They take the tape out of the camera and just post it to you. <laughs> And they dare to enter a film festival with that. You know, no short film is short enough in my experience. Um, so, uh, but again, yeah, she was like, "Okay, this deadline's tomorrow." Um, and this one was—I remember saying to my older brother, who was in a band, so that was very formative, mm. like sneaking into band to gigs uh, when I was too young, but looked a bit older than I was. Hopefully, little wispy chinny beard. <laughs> <laughs> it was the late 90s <laughs> um, we all liked Stone Temple Pilots then there's nothing you can do about it um, and uh, so yeah going to because my brother's band they were called Enamel Camel and they nearly because it was in the days when like a guitar band you could maybe get on top of the pops so they supported like the Long Pigs and Shed Seven and the Blue Tones and right so that was all like going to the Duchess. And what was their band called? Your brother's band? Enamel Camel. Oh, you just said terrible, sorry, yeah. terrible name. It's a great name. I like that. <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't matter. You know, Pixies yeah. is a bad name. Yeah. REM, U2, they're all terrible names. Yeah. Radiohead, terrible name for a band. <laughs> but it, what does it matter? <laughs> so um, is it just the one brother you've got? Uh, no, two, right. two older. But th- then he's the middle one, I guess. Is the older one was sort of away at uni because he was older. So yeah. I'm sort of. So it was the middle one who... Oh, yeah, so one day I said, I'm thinking of learning the guitar too. And he just... He went out. He was out for the day. I didn't know where. And just came back with an acoustic guitar and said, you owe me 70 quid. <laughs> so that was quite nice. lovely. That's one way of doing it. Yeah. It was secondhand, which I, I still have. But quite a nice guitar. And That's just nice. bought a guitar very on impulse. And, and kind of... And it, very much for me, it was the kind of thing of, here's three chords. And then I would, I would borrow this tape four track from school and start doing songs immediately, you know. Mm. So I still can't, I don't know any scales or anything, but just as soon as you know some chords, you just start, yeah. you start writing it's stuff. the beauty of the guitar, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. You just need three chords. <laughs> yeah. And enough time yeah. to put some things down. Yeah. And then in the end, bought a, a drum machine and a, a keyboard, and so I can do bits of those too yeah. and stuff. But, uh, but it's yeah. really nice to be doing that again. Yeah. yeah. And so were you in a succession of bands then at that age, at that early age, in that um, sort of teenage? Only a couple. I mean, there was one covers band with the fr- fr- friends from school. 
um, who we practiced for a year and a half and did one gig. And then I think I think we split up. Maybe we're still together. That's a very well-trodden band path, that, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was just, let's have band practice a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and did one lovely gig at the... Um, is it the Royal Park near the Brudenell? You're all stomping around. Yeah. Uh, in the cellar down there. That went down quite well. Like some strangers came downstairs to watch, which was good. Because <laughs> we could play um, like Here Comes Your Man quite well in the South Central Rain by R.E.M. And yeah. Yeah, we had quite good taste, I think. So there was that. But then, then this other band, I did some stuff with my brother. We were called The Three Tons. And that was the two of us in a drum machine. And then the, the, the other one was just La Sangras, who was this sort of Tom Waitsian... Hmm. The guy called Dan Webster and Nick Mackay, who are both very gifted multi-instrumentalists. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, all our reviews would say we were very instrument-swapping, lots of instrument-swapping shenanigans. Right. That phrase would get bandied about quite a lot. Because yeah. it was like, right, you play bass on this one, but then play banjo on this one, and you play the xylophone, and can you do a trumpet solo yeah. when you're not playing the xylophone? <laughs> so I think we were a good spectacle. Yeah. It taught me that you should just look good. Yeah. Should be a band that people want to take photos of. Yeah, so just put a, put a funny hat on. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking and, of the music, by the way, I was mm-hmm. when I was looking at the videos, I loved the um, the Woody Brown. Yes. Because I've because I as well as playing music a bit, you know, I get involved in the production side and mm. I've watched so many videos. So this is the guy who's like doing the tutorials of music production. Yep. And I've watched so many videos like that and come away with the same feeling of knowing as little or less than I did Absolutely. when I started yeah. watching it. Well, that's what I... Again, the, the love of gibberish is... Mm. Um, I, it was looking for things to, to parody, really, because this uh, sketch show idea was all online online videos. So it was going to be mm. Kickstarter videos, YouTube things, video diaries. and So characters who all know the camera is there and are all talking to camera. And um, just found this guy... I think he's called Dave Pensado and it's called Pensado's place. It's like, Hey guys, always. Hey guys. Yeah. Uh, for a while I wanted to call the show. Hey guys. But I noticed there's I think a theme it was already, there, isn't it, with there the you videos. Go. Yeah. That's the one thing that ties them all together. <laughs> hey guys. Um, and it's like, you know, just very basic stuff. I mean, obviously you've got a four, two, three, four, but you've got to go down to the, uh, <laughs> we've got a couple of Ellsworths and some really nice cab banks with a, uh, you know, two lemons on the side. And, so quickly it's just complete gibberish um and it's like that if you don't know the lingo it's just gobbledygook (laughs) and that's something i just love just listening to yeah it's like people talking about cars to me or any sport yeah Yeah. (laughs) one thing i really love is listening to my my two brothers-in-law talk about video games yeah because you just put your ear around the door and it's just like well, have you got a sword? Yeah, yeah, I've got a sword, but I haven't got enough souls. <laughs> have you found that dragon in the room? Yeah. And it's just this really serious talk about kind of something that I don't know what it is yeah. about this game they're playing. Nothing makes sense. Yeah. It's like, we'll throw a hurricane at it and it'll turn into a, a goblin or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and I love that listening in to yeah. stuff that just sounds like uh, nonsense. But yeah, Woody, I mean, Woody Brown, he seems to be the one that people respond to and know oh i know what that is yeah so i I mean the joy joy of joys shout out to jez nash if you ever listen to this this is a test because you'll tell me (laughs) um is is a guy who asked me to come and do a talk at the london college of music right because of woody brown really so initially it was can you do an hour in character (laughs) it's like 
not really pay me enough for that. So I'll, I can do an hour as me. Um, but I am thinking of doing a, because I should maybe do Edinburgh next year. So some sort of TED talk or. Yeah. But I mean, the, the joy of it was go. He, he showed, <clears throat> this is very boastful and self-aggrandizing, but going around London College of Music and like seeing these these music students copying bits like the kind of that's with that's without yeah and these yeah. lads in the sound booth and they were like they saw me and started doing it and amazing that was a real that really made me laugh actually that bit because that is so perfect in yeah. terms of what a lot of these videos and, and any person in any music studio i've ever spoken to just comes out with stuff like that yeah <laughs> And you completely lose track of what's better. Yeah. I remember, again, with my band once, listening to, we had these two mixes and just putting the wrong one on. And all, all the way through, it's like, yeah, see, it's way better. The tambourine's much clearer. Yeah. But it's not so tinny. You know, this is so obviously the one. I can't believe you're suggesting it's the other one. Yeah. And then you realise you've got the wrong one on. It's just humiliating. So you think, oh, none of this matters. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, with and without being the same. Yes. Um and uh, people seem to respond. It's very... Because I put that one, I uploaded that one to, to Facebook as well as YouTube. And on Facebook, it's had 200,000 views or something. Like, really? it's, it's it's the one that people share. And I think the greatest compliment is when someone just comments and, and tags a friend, just puts yeah. their name. Yeah. Because they don't care who you are. Yeah. Or... Who, what your other stuff is, unfortunately. <laughs> but they're just like, oh, this is like you. Yeah. They send You'll it to their this. friend and say, this is just like you. Yeah. So that that feeling of actually resonating, yeah. rather than just sort of baffling people or having them think, well, "What is this? I don't understand." <laughs> this would have been funny in the late nineties. Yeah. What's this now? This isn't really what anyone likes. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I must do more. I actually filmed a Woody on Sunday. Oh, did you? That's how I spent my Easter. Yeah, nice. and my wife spent her Easter doing that too. I'm like, can so I book you for Sunday a, does morning? She film, yeah, all the, mo- everything or most of the um, time or most of it. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's just me, she's my go-to because she's an illustrator, artist, and used to do animation and stuff. So has a good eye and knows what shots are and yeah. has has learned to work the camera. <laughs> Whether she wants it to, I don't know, but she has. Um, <laughs> But this one was good fun, actually. We actually laughed instead of me just being all stressed out and not remembering the lines and things. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's a new, there's a new Woody Brown, and I, I, I do want to do more with him. He's a nice person to be. Yeah, it's that's a, great a funny character. thing about character. Lunge, thank you. Uh, Lunge Dolphin's a bit like that. It's like um, he's really confident, yeah. and it's just really nice to be him for a bit. <laughs> Because it's it, you get into it sounds very pretentious stuff, but like with characters, you get into the the world of realizing what it means when it's like, well, I'm nervous, hmm. but he isn't. Yeah, and you think, what does that mean? Because because <laughs> I did, I mean, I, I did a book. I spent a year and a half doing a book of Lunge Dolphin, which was the making of ten of his movies. <laughs> Just end this 165 page full color. I think I've sold about. 30 copies to just friends because yeah. that was going to be you know how I made my millions uh, <laughs> but um, so I did a book launch for that at the Hyde Park Picture House where I now work sometimes and um, so that was my first oh god I'm doing it like I was I was behind the fire curtain hmm. hearing all my friends and family had arrived and it's like I'm about to go out face to face in a costume and do a silly voice <laughs> And like, I'm hearing that my, my, my auntie is here. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but it's such a rush yeah. because you you cannot you can't believe it's happening in real life. I don't know if other people ha- get quite mm. this sort of nervous, but it's kind of beyond nerves. It's just you're so like wired. Yeah. Because just what a strange thing to do. And does it all sort of disappear when you get up there, yeah. or is it still right? Yeah. As soon you, as you start, you, you feel like you're about to sort of bath, and then as soon as you're on, you just firstly, obviously, it flies by. Yeah. But you you can't really it knocks it out of you because you can't think about about anything because you're on yeah because you're on is and it partly as well because often the lights are shining on you you can't actually really see your auntie yeah you're in a bit of a, of a void anyway yeah yeah so that's that helps um <laughs> i remember for um i did a little little spot popping up in in some brett domino shows last year at the at the soho theater in in london in that there london mm. and at the broodnell in leeds as well and, um, Great venue, the Brudenell, isn't it? Yeah, I love it there. And it, I found it really helps to not be wearing my glasses because I can barely see anything. <laughs> anyway, so things are a blur. So you're kind of in a bit of a bubble, but I think you're in a bubble up there anyway because mm. you sort of, if you're not, if you can't relax a little bit, you're sort of slightly blind and deaf. Like you could mm. easily just like fall over something, or because it's so very kind of intense. Yeah, maybe it would be less so if I just did it more. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the the feeling of yeah, when you come off, you're really buzzing. Yeah, it's funny because I get a bit like myself. Like, you know, I play music and end up on stage, but I don't feel like it's my natural habitat on stage. Like, my, yeah. my natural instinct is not to be on stage. Yep. And I feel like I'm getting the same sort of vibe well, from, from yeah. you. And, but but then I guess it's when you're up there, you enjoy it or you just do it. But do you enjoy it when you're up there? I guess I guess that's what I'm getting at. I think I, think I do. Yeah. Because if you if you get a a big laugh, hmm. it's sort of it's it's the best affirmation that you. Again, I talk about being excited. It just means you didn't screw up. Yeah. <laughs> can I make people laugh? And that that yes, you can. Yeah. Is is a lovely feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about an introvert masquerading as an extrovert. Hmm. I think RuPaul talks about ambiverts. Right. Which is quite a good. Which is, is that not everyone? <laughs> sometimes you're one, and sometimes you're the other one. Yeah. But you um, the, the one thing I've never thought of doing is getting up on a stage as myself. I was going to ask you. Hey that. guys, uh, <laughs> I'm Greg. Have you ever noticed? How, uh, that's weird, isn't it? All that stuff. Yeah. No interest in that at all. So you've never done that. You've always been in character on stage. Always, yeah, yeah. Because uh, to me, it's the character is what sort of, I guess, is more fun. But I don't. I don't hold myself in high enough kind of regard, really. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, here's my take on, <laughs> oh Brexit. Am I right? <laughs> All that sort of stuff. It's like just material, and and people do it brilliantly and have brilliant personas. Mm. Again, like, um, like Harry Hill or um, James Acaster's brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But he's not just being himself. He's no. not shambling on and saying, all right, guys, uh, sorry, I haven't rehearsed very much, but anyway, I'll just... Yeah. Uh, They're blah, all blah, putting blah. on some kind of character, aren't yeah. they? Some they look more brand. real than others, don't they? They yeah. absolutely know what they're doing. Yeah. Or, um, or again, Rachel Paris, who's in The Mash Report, which is a thing I, I sometimes pop up in on BBC yeah. too. And she, I think, is probably the runaway star of it, which I hope <laughs> Nish Kumar doesn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> They're all doing fine. They're all doing rather well. But, uh, yeah, saw her live... And she mentioned in in her show, 
about having recently been in a meeting and actually heard herself say, because I think that's something that Rachel Paris would do. <laughs> and this sheer horror. Yeah. Of the, the maybe you should actually, in, yeah, maybe invent a fake name. Because again, um, her actually, is she herself? No, not really. She's um, this very sweet, but actually very acerbic uh, mm. and kind of spiky, quite feisty um, person. So it's it's as much a persona as, as a fake character is, I, I, I think. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the characters sort of let it happen. And, and really the stuff I love, I mean, John Shuttleworth is a huge um, musical hero of mine. Yeah. And I like, or even just Vic and Bob being Donald and Davy Stott or, <laughs> or any of the people on Novelty Island. Like yeah. it's not sort of BAFTA winning chameleonic performances. Or, you know, I mean, um, Steve Coogan is Alan Partridge. You can't really, yeah. You can't really fault that. I mean, that's the the, the, the most comfortable fit of like performer and, but you feel and I, and I, not to say I'm like Alan Partridge or anywhere near his his skill level, but like being, uh, Lunge Dolphin for the first time on this sort of drunken night around the millennium, <laughs> um, and just thinking I could do this for hours. <laughs> Because yeah. you know, you know the character. You think I could be this guy. I could put this wig on, yeah. and just never take it off. Because <laughs> I just and you find you're finding out that you know what that person would say. Yeah, is really interesting. That must be weird. Yeah, yeah. when you almost yeah you you're so in the character that you can be them for hours. Yeah, that must be a strange feeling. And just feeling like, oh, I don't need to write. Or, or something I've commented on loads of times. When you improv stuff, mm. you come out with stuff, and afterwards you think, I can't write anything funnier than that. <laughs> you think, that's a really good joke. Yeah. <laughs> or a really good sort of nonsensical response <laughs> that if you tried to write, you wouldn't get the same mm. thing, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's trying to find a character where, yeah, where you could be them for hours. I guess that's the most comfortable mm. fit in the way you can feel like Steve Coogan absolutely is with Alan Partridge. Like, yeah what car they drive, what they choose for lunch, what their response to something would be. Mm. <laughs> this all just feels obvious to you. you yeah. Know? And it's amazing to watch, it, isn't it? Because it's so consistent. Yeah. You know, you know that that is what... It, it, that's the that's the beauty of a great character, isn't it? Is, mm. Especially when they're improvising it, is that their responses fit with what you... You know the character would say. Yeah. But it's still funny because it's, you know... Yeah. And, and the truth of it yeah. is just... is is funny. Which I think again is is the, the genius, the absolute genius, of um, Graham Fellows as John Shuttleworth is. Mm. So much of it is just saying things that are true, <laughs> and just talking about the Kreitz Tram Museum, or the Abbeydale Industrial Hamlet, <laughs> and these things. I remember a, a mate of mine from Sheffield being slightly confused because um, I had a, a John Shuttleworth live album, mm. um, and. I'd just seen him in Harrogate and it hadn't been a great response as I think a comedy doesn't get that great a response in Harrogate because it's quite <laughs> civilised. But then the, the live one was recorded in London and was an absolutely really great audience. Like just people just weeping with laughter. Really, really good album. Hmm. It's called One Foot in the Gravy. I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, and, and this Sheffield mate of mine being surprised because he's like, well, I'm surprised they know what the Aberdale Industrial Hamlet is. And just thinking they don't. Hmm. But they know the joke. Yeah. Like, we were trying to raise money to take um, a group of disadvantaged youngsters to Disneyland. We didn't raise enough. We took them to the Abbeydale Industrial, Industrial Hamlet. But no, we had a lovely day. I drove the minibus. And it's just that thing of... Or driving to 
Yeah, take a group of youngsters to see a horse in a field. <laughs> but we missed it. It was behind a big bush. <laughs> and just this sort of minutiae of, of life and specifics. Yeah. And um, if you just say this word, it'll be funny. And just that. It's not quite funny because it's true. It's a bit more sophisticated than that, but it's the small, like his song. Do you know the song, I Can't Go Back to Savory Now? No. <laughs> that to me is po- possibly the greatest comedy song just of all time. Okay. Because it's about, he started his pudding and his daughter is, is leaving a load of shepherd's pie, but he can't, he can't go back to savory because he started his pudding. That shepherd's pie was stunning, but I'm halfway through my pudding. <laughs> Oh, I'm one, uh, two margarines on the go. It's a nightmare scenario. And it's about having two margarines open in the fridge at the same time. And it's just, again, brilliant songwriting. You know, actually, the melodies and the writing is really good. But just that, just that idea is funny. Yeah. And again, yeah, things where you can't quite say why they're funny. Because there's there's some sort of alchemy and magic to it. It's just like, oh, that's... That's good. Yeah. And yeah, why? It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, like that, the two John Shuttleworth things that you mentioned, that, like, sometimes it, it feels like it's it's when there's a, the setup is something that everyone can immediately identify with. Like yeah. the two margarines in the fridge. You know, yeah. It's something that everyone... Yeah. And it's just funny being... I think it's the, the fact that people get annoyed or worried about that situation. Everyone has been worried yeah. About a similar, yeah. tiny, insignificant situation. Yes, then you're yeah, you're right. They're like neurosis. Yeah, they're like um, and again um, or like Limmy. Do you know Limmy, the Scottish yeah. queen? Yeah, yeah, he does that because if anyone overthinks things, I think it's him. Yeah. <laughs> Having just read his book, I think that's yeah. I've not his, read his, his book. Problem. Actually, I've heard it's, it's amazing. It's really great. Yeah. Just incredibly, incredibly like honest. Really it. Yeah, and and really, really simply written, really compulsive to read. Like you just tear through it. But actually, very insightful, mm. and, and about quite you know things like mental health and just why why do this and why not just jump in the Clyde and mm. and in a, in a very honest way. But uh, yeah, sort of laughing at those little neuroses of things that if you laugh at them, you're all realizing together, oh, they don't matter. Mm. Isn't that great? Yeah. And again, that, that's why um, I think Alan Partridge is a very sympathetic character. Mm. I, I like him. I never like when the gag is him uh, failing. Mm. I really like the um, the one where he's bouncing back. The, is it the second series of I'm Alan Partridge where he's yeah. kind of in the, he's in the motorhome, he's got a girlfriend, <laughs> and actually he's quite on top. Because <laughs> yeah. you sort of, you're more on his side than I think you, you realise you are. Yeah. But, because he just worries about small things that he can't <laughs> let go. And, uh, yeah, I guess confronting that beast yeah. kind of makes us all laugh, you know. <laughs> or you just go you just go the Vic and Bob far out to, like, absolutely no funny because it's true material allowed. Yeah. So it's just... Surrealism. I mean, my favourite... <sighs> I mean, Big Night Out, that started when it was like, later on we're going to be having, and you get that three things... <laughs> A cranberry sauce salesman who's going to pour <laughs> piping hot muesli onto a sleeping haddock, then write Melbourne on the back wall, then just nick off. You think, what a wonderful collection of things. Yeah. A yeah. cranberry sauce salesman. Yeah. Of all the different 
million infinite number of options you could have put together that was the what's what they chose yep and that's the again the genius of let's bring it right back the genius of particularly bob mortimer stuff now but also vic is if you can't do that you can't do it it's like well it's just any old rubbish isn't it it's just silly no because if you try and think of something wacky yeah you're really gonna wacky is the absolute like nadir as soon as something's (laughs) wacky you think no we can't do that it's wacky yeah but uh i mean that could be an act yeah is you know someone called like craig johnston who's trying to do a vic and bob and badly. he's been doing it really badly yeah i could do that yeah i could do vic and bob well, speaking badly. of you were talking about the um you know the, the the short films that potentially could be made into a, a program is that yeah. on the cards then to make those that with that theme of the sort of internet videos yeah um I well there's a sketch show that's been requested to be pitched hmm. uh with me and a certain someone who may have already been mentioned in this podcast um which is lovely hmm. so for years it's been well no one wants sketch sketch is dead <laughs> in fact i think the the head commissioning uh, lady at channel four said that in a, like a public interview like sketch is is dead because hmm. of youtube hmm. But actually, I think you observe, particularly from something like The MASH Report, is really interesting because you can take a bit out of any show, make it square and put subtitles on it, stick it on Facebook. And if I say The MASH Report on BBC Two, people will still look at me or they'll say, I don't watch I don't watch live TV. Hmm. But if you say, well, it's like a square purple thing <laughs> and there's probably a blonde lady yeah. or a brunette lady in a red dress or, or Nish Kumar. Um, saying something mean about Piers Morgan. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 I've seen that. Yeah, I know what that is. So actually, you could, if you, you can make a half-hour thing, then just cut it into three-minute bits and, and give them all away online, and it will be seen somewhere. Mm. So hopefully there is a, a move back, I think, to sketch shows, because I've been told for years it's a no-sketch, but as soon as one of them is a hit... Mm then oh it's sketch shows again yeah. so it's often the way these things go in cycles it seems doesn't it you know the yeah does um how did the mass report come about then was that through the agent or was that oh that's that's miraculous um that's that's insane that is thanks to a lovely um producer head dude called chris dot who i have a video on youtube called learning to play the shenanigan <laughs> which is uh, an instructional tape for how to play an ancient, um, elegant instrument, the shenanigan, um, <laughs> which he, I think, is the one he absolutely loves because he's said that many, many times to me. Right. I, I did a, some limited edition shenanigan T-shirts, and he bought one. So that's that's the level of a, wow. a fandom here, and and just again it was just somebody's sort of belief in me to say for your northern poet character. Yeah. I won't talk about too much because you had Ian McMillan on like two shows <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. <laughs> yeah. He's was he great. Big, was that he a, was great. Was he a massive inspiration for that? Uh, well, because he, he's, again, he used to be on Mark and Lard a lot. Yes. And his voice is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's just this sort of incredibly deep. But uh, Brian is, is is a much less nice person, it turns out, than, <laughs> yeah. than Ian. He's a rabid Brexiteer, as he became for the uh, the MASH Report pilot. Right. Um, so it was, what can we do with you? And 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 Chris being nice enough to, I mean, he said, you know, shenanigans far too weird. That'll never be on TV. So what else could we do? <laughs> By the way, no had, bones he, about had it. he just stumbled upon that video then, or had he been directed to it? Whether by someone? Been, yeah, sent it by my agent, or right. people just sort of reach out and just say, do you want to come in for a, a chat? 
but then um so i did a film a thing this is is this last January or the January before? I remember it being January because we shot it on Box Hill and I nearly froze to death. <laughs> um, so it was maybe Brian. Brian could be good. So I wrote this this Brexit poem, mm. um, which actually didn't make the final cut of the pilot. Because as with every show, we, we film, you know, 50 or 55 minutes worth of pretty good stuff and then mm. make it into a really good half hour. Yeah. So you hear you didn't make the cut. But... In the car on the drive back into London to frantically shoot something else in an hour, um, I was a huge fan of the Daily Mash website. So me and me and a mate would send each other Daily Mash headlines all the time, and I had this one-on-one time with my producer. And again, not not being strategically clever in any way, I just happened to say, like, if I could be Professor Henry Brubaker, <laughs> who is the resident expert in all things, <laughs> I just said as a fan. That would, I mean, it's too expletive to even say, but I said, you know, that would blow my mind. <laughs> that would be like find, it'd be like being Doctor Who or something. Mm. It's like finding out I'm the new James Bond or something. <laughs> this, this, this character you've always known about and know about already and have seen. Yeah. To find out every time I read Professor Henry Brubaker from the Institute for Studies, that was me. <laughs> Is just it's like magic again. It's very very strange. Yeah. But I think I'm, I'm my you know my brand is I, I'm just very very honest about being extremely enthusiastic and grateful <laughs> all the time. I mean sometimes I think I've, I've come across a bit too much like a competition winner really, but uh, should be slightly more professional. But that's fine. Um, so I just said you know if I could have a shot at that role, that would really mean the world to me. That would mm. just be that would blow my mind. And he said great. Then it's then it's yours. Let's do it. You know. So that role was already written. If you, well, was, he he was you'd... always because it was basically making a TV show out of the website. Yeah. Um. They have these oh, various. See, yes, they have course, Tom Logan, who is the existed. guy they always interview. Yes. And then if they need some science to back up the point, that's right. It's always Professor Henry Brubaker. Um. So thankfully, I also popped up as him uh, in the pilot. Yeah. And then they've been very loyal and lovely and and kept me around. So are you involved in the writing, or do you no, just, do just the, pop up to do the recording? Absolutely, just turn up. Just turn up. It was at London Studios, but we now shoot at Pinewood. Right. So turn up at, you know, the James Bond yeah. soundstage. Nice. At half twelve. Script in your dressing room. Read it off an autocue. There's no memorising, which doesn't hurt. That's fun. And that's live audio. I mean, we're behind the screen, because I'm meant to be in Cardiff, but um, we're there. <laughs> so that's live audience. That's That's, you know... That's just the biggest buzz there is, really. Yeah. So, yeah. And, what um, is that like then, filming in front of the live audience? It's nice being behind a screen. I think I'd be <laughs> a lot more scared. Um, and again, but again, I'm a character, so I feel fairly indestructible. But also, if, if you mess up, um, I think they find it quite endearing. Yeah. As long as you don't mess up like four times, <laughs> as long as you get it right on your third take, yeah. uh, people forgive you and find it quite funny. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 brilliant. Again, as I say, I try not to feel like I've just sort of won a competition to be there for the day. <laughs> but um, you're watching a lot of people do very brilliant, very hard work. I mean, particularly Nish, mm. who will do these six-minute monologues incredibly fast, things that he's been co-writing all day that were rewritten after the dress rehearsal, so they're basically new anyway, mm. even though we've done two rehearsals in the day and... Or, you know, Rachel Paris is brilliant um, and Steve Allen and Ellie as the news anchors. It's mm. You can really see why everyone has those roles, you know. And um, I think I've got better as I've just sort of relaxed 
and just you realize enjoying it is actually essential yeah you have to enjoy it and ha have fun and um because then it comes across that you're relaxed and yeah. it, you're just fun here yeah oh, it's a very good program when does it is it when's it back on oh not soon enough i think <laughs> i don't mean, say this but i think september right but uh, i guess the autumn is the official and then hopefully maybe a bit more next year or something or hopefully just more i think it's it'll be nice when the news is about something other than just yeah <laughs> Brexit. Yeah. but uh yeah i mean i it, it's very very intense to make i know that because they you know you film it on a thursday they literally edit it overnight so i think the first cut is done by about 4 a.m hmm. and then in the morning they show it to the bbc and they and then it's screened that evening so right. that is a fast turnaround isn't it in America, we'd be sort of making, I guess, 28 or 30 of them at a time with like two weeks off and then we'd just start again. And yeah. But I guess you'd need a much bigger team. Otherwise, everyone would just die of mm. exhaustion. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I think it's it's sort of finding its balance of surprisingly serious kind of insight about news and then just very silly. Yeah. And I think the news desk are there for the, for the silly. You know, yeah. my bits tend to be quite silly. And, <laughs> but no, it's an absolute honour being in that and then i was in a, i was in a kids thing on cbbc as well yeah, which was yeah um, how did that come about what's it called the program of uh class dismissed that's it class dismissed yeah how did that come about series five of the bafta winning class dismissed yeah. nonetheless. um that was i think just being asked i guess just having an agent is how you yeah. you do it and i think i got it because again using my secret powers of sort of editing and stuff um my self tapes they've told me were sort of almost ridiculously over kind of produced because mm. one of one of my characters is um chris the bish bishop who is a dj music <laughs> teacher who through his his lessons plays all these jingles so i'm for the myself tape i made the jingles because <laughs> he's, he's hitting a button and there's a jingle so it's like, well I'll, just, I'll do a rough i'll just knock together a little sort of demo yeah and hopefully they had the thought of well we could get if we get this guy he could make his own jingles i, th I think maybe mm. but um so just through through my agent, it's would you be willing to, would you be you know willing to appear on a children's TV program? But because I don't have a brand or any kind of self image that I'm trying to cultivate, no. actually you end up with like four characters, quite you know, plummy characters in um in a in a in a sketch show, yeah, which is kind of amazing. Rather than just coming in as a policeman who says thank you very much sir yeah. and walks out again you know and they use the character that you'd stuff. created well I, I, no, no, they, they sent me the, the scripts i ah, haven't created I any of it but i did end up playing the three characters that i self-taped for right so that's that oh, i see tells right. you something. So, so they asked you to to self-tape for it and that's yeah. when you came with the yeah, i get you right yeah. okay so i self-taped sitting on the end of this sofa about there <laughs> nice white wall there and um and I've, I've done quite a few of those that haven't resulted in work. But, uh, yeah, that was really, really uh, lucky. Because that was a proper on-set for three weeks filming in Salford. And mm. hopefully there'll be more of that this year. Mm. So you, are you still interested in the sort of directing and filmmaking in the, yeah. in the sense of not just the... Sh I mean, you're obviously still doing the shorts, the comedy shorts. But are mm. you still... Do you still have ambitions for the sort of... You know, because you did the music videos and short films. Are you still looking into yeah. that too? Well, my t okay, the two things I really would love to do before, I, you know, my deathbed. <laughs> one is make a f at least a one half hour <coughs> um, Saturday morning cartoon style 
Lunge Dolphin cartoon. Because okay. I did a tiny bit of it a couple of Christmases ago. I saw the, the animated version. Yeah. 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 Did you do that then? Or did you yeah. get someone to did That's you? Me, Wow. That's impressive. There's, I mean, there's a few things nicked from like Ulysses and He-Man. And, but I, <laughs> I photoshopped it all around. So it's, it's never just, you know, it's all hidden. Yeah. I would, do, I would do it all myself if I did it properly. But um, <laughs> oh, I've got a half hour Christmas special that would... Um, Maybe this is the year. I don't know. <laughs> Making a half-hour cartoon on your own seems to be kind of my brand because that's just insane. <laughs> People always ask what my budgets are, how big the team was. <laughs> it's like you don't you don't really understand. You're not listening. <laughs> it's me and my wife. <laughs> I mean, la- last Christmas I made the, basically a parody of the Muppet Show. Yeah, it's like what well, I'll do. I'll do. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Right. The characters. Yeah. Where, are the are your characters? Are they based on? people that you know or are they based on like people that you see when you're obviously obviously some of them must be i guess people that you see when you're sort of moving around the youtube universe yes a lot of it's youtube sometimes it's not to you know um reveal the wizard behind the curtain too much but sometimes it's you know what voices can you do yeah. <laughs> or um there's one i did um <laughs> who ended up being called Blaine Honda, who, which is how to pronounce TH. It's like American Pronunciation Guide, which is so closely based on one specific person and video mm. that it's, I could probably be sued. Okay. It's, it's not an amalgam of anything. It's just one guy who just, <laughs> who would just, it's like, I've, I've got to remake this video because it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess Lunge was just this super confident sort of, <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. But... I'll just switch that off. No, it's okay. <laughs> but yes, L- so Lunge was this just sort of super confident Belgian voice. One of the few who is based on actual life, I guess, is Woody Brown, who was originally meant to be the quintessential grumpy sound tech, who's the sort of eyebrows up, eyelids down... Like, well, if you want it to sound crap, lads, it can sound crap. I mean, you Saxondale, know... Saxondale, wasn't that? Very Saxondale, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very that. Um, so he, was meant, he wasn't meant to be quite as jolly. But my characters tend to come out rather sort of smiley and chipper, actually. Yeah. They're not... Uh, I'm dour enough as myself. I tend to take a little <laughs> holiday from that when I'm in character. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just certain voices of... Oh, it'd be nice to do that. There's Valentine Fry, who's a horror actor, who's basically sort of Peter Cushing, just a sort of incredibly softly spoken, nice guy who cr- films these horrific <laughs> sort of satanic movies and is just very sort of demure. And then Kermit Murder, who's a, a southern guy who was just a, an interview video I saw on YouTube. And yeah, so it's all what voices you can do really and and trying to have a joke about a character like he's this but he's this like ideally you want to be able to sort of sum them up i've got to find woody brown's uh, internal conflict (laughs) (laughs) woody brown could definitely have his own series i think yeah well it was it's funny when you have these conversations because when you do go in for these meetings where no one's looking for a sketch show Mm. it's like really everyone wants a sitcom i mean I, i also spent six months developing a sitcom which I basically wrote. I didn't know developing something, you're not meant to just write six episodes of it. <laughs> but then that didn't go anywhere. Um, but it's sort of, you know, so Woody, Woody Brown, like what's his, 
what's his wife like when he goes yeah. home what kind of car does he drive and you start sort of fleshing out this this stuff and of course as with all these meetings you gradually get more and more convinced of oh this is it this is the one this is mm. the thing i want to do you know um but yeah i think some which i sometimes feel odd odd about um because as i say i really like silly you know vic and bob kind of goofiness i mean the sketch show is the dream for me because of just the, the the sheer the stuff you can do with music and editing and but then I love Flight of the Concords and I love Catterick and yeah. you know they're they're sitcoms so there's some brilliant sitcoms. Final question for you then. Okay. Uh, what are you enjoying watching or reading or listening to right now? Right now, um, it was almost pathetic to say I just finished Limmy's autobiography, so then I'm now reading Vic Reeves' autobiography again. <laughs> Again, his remarkably idyllic childhood. He's a real, real sort of bonny, uh, jolly guy, yeah. is, which is lovely. And again, had lovely parents who let him do what he liked, which I did see my some of myself in, which is very nice. Yeah. He was allowed to have long hair. I was allowed to have like bright red hair, right? And never got in trouble for it because I was such <laughs> a teacher's pet, goody two shoes. Um, so that definitely, Atletico Mints is like. Is as I say, is my happy place. Mm. It's like where do you listen to that? It's joy, um, just through Acast, just no, on I mean, my computer. Or where are you like- sitting at my desk, I um, I will be tomorrow actually because I'm currently making a music video for someone, mm. and I'm delighted to have realised it involves lots and lots of Photoshop. So writing, you can't listen to stuff, which kind of I sort of hate writing because <laughs> you just have to sit in a quiet room. Mm. But um, yeah, my real sort of, my, I think my happiest place is making stuff in Photoshop while listening to kind of podcasts, particularly Athletico Mins. And then also we just rewatched 30 Rock, which is absolutely brilliant. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, is one oh, of the yeah. greatest sitcoms ever. I watched ever. a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. I actually watched it. So I, my son will be three on Monday. Oh, and when he was Thank you. When he was, <laughs> when he was very small, he wouldn't go to sleep by himself. So I had to sit... Yeah. on our sofa with him in my arms. You need something there's a lot of. Yeah, and I just watched episode after episode of Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine. This Isn't is like it two watchable? in the morning. It's so good. And it's in such manageable chunks. Yeah. Like 21 minutes or something, yeah. I think, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely flies to... by. Yeah. Couldn't be faster. Um, and it's, it's a just... brilliantly scripted programme, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it's comedy that comes out of people who all basically love each other. Mm. It's not the kind of English young ones red dwarf like people who stuck together who don't get on mm. the idea that you know conflict is humor mm. it slightly disproves that they they sort of bicker but they fundamentally it's it's really warm and human and silly and frothy and just fun mm. really fun so i have enormous respect for uh yeah brooklyn 99 was your sitcom idea more down that road of the sort of no, it was probably quite grim. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was about an ex-university lecturer who has a massive nervous breakdown and then tries to get famous on YouTube. <laughs> but built up a little Where bit. Where did you come up with that story? I know. I just, you know, I, I just made it up. <laughs> but very, um, it was all set in a flat. I didn't have an actual nervous breakdown. But, so this guy was kind of, he was living on the sofa of his sister. So he's living with this family who are trying to kind of put up with him. Um, but trying to get back on his feet whilst not leaving the flat. Mm. So trying to become a sort of worldwide social media force whilst being unable to go out. 
So basically, you've got an upstairs neighbour. Um, there's quite a bit of sort of spaced in it, I think, like mm. spaced crossed with ideal, the Johnny Vegas all set yeah. in one flat thing. So a bit like that. Well, it might see the Would light have been of day. Great. You never know. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually now too old, I think, to be an ex university lecturer. I don't know what. I want this. Yeah, I want to do character stuff really. But as I say, sketch show is is being written, and musical things are being written, and then maybe Woody, Woody live an hour-long sort of uh, lecture that goes to some quite odd places. Brilliant. Well, good luck with them. Thank you. And Greg, thank you for talking to me. It's been great. Thank you. It's been a right laugh. Thanks a lot for listening. That was Greg Johnson. I hope you'll agree that was a very funny interview. I really enjoyed talking to Greg. Uh, Check out his videos on YouTube. Uh, They are brilliant. Greg, so that's G-R-E-I. Hang on, let me try that again. That's Greg, G-R-E-I-G. Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Check him out on YouTube. Very funny videos, Um, particularly uh, Woody Brown. I really love that character. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Do get in touch, as I mentioned at the start, with any questions or comments about the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. At Creative Forces P on Twitter or find us, just search on Facebook or creativeforcespod at gmail.com. Any comments, any suggestions, very, very welcome. I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you could, I'd be very grateful if you could subscribe to the podcast, rate it, whatever you can do in your podcast app. It'll all help. Thanks for listening again. See you soon. <laughs>